And now, Five Star Properties and Pod Slamajama present Let's Rage Coog, streaming on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. What's up and welcome into another edition of Let's Rage Coogs. Close game, too close for my liking. Dayon Dunlap and Chris Gardner here to start the show before uh, Aki and, and Andy get to join us. But quick takeaways about the close game with Rice. Yeah, <laughs> it was very close. It, I mean, it went down to the, the last play, honestly. <laughs> but yeah. a win is a win when you've been struggling. Um the defense came through finally. I mean, let's be real about it, Dayon. Finally. Yep, <laughs> finally. Um, a win's a win, man. I mean, I mean, it's really the penalties were a concern. Too many penalties in the second half. The team still isn't consistent enough. But they got the win. They're 2-2 two two now. And that's, let's just go with that. I mean, really, that's all we can say. Yeah, that's really it, man. I, I, They didn't even – I don't even know what to say. I got a cause for – during the game, like, hey, like, what are you thinking? Like, what's going on? Like, are we going to lose? I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't really have the answers. I mean, not just myself. I think so many people have bought into the hype of what could be this year going against. I mean, not going against about what happened last year and how the season played out. But today, it was just like, as the game kept going on, I just wasn't surprised. Like, mm-hmm. nothing really surprised me on how the game went, although I did predict that they would win by double digits. And I'm just watching, and I'm like, we are really who we are. We, we yeah. are who the tape say we are. And right now we're just looking like a mediocre football program. And, and I would ask you this, man. I don't – What's what is up with the first half play call? I, I – it seems like the whole staff, again, just is taking the first half off. They're not aggressive. They're not attacking. And the way, like at halftime, okay, the first half stuff did, did, did not work. So now yeah. let's be aggressive. <laughs> really? Yeah, that first half play calling, it's been like that for all of the games. It's like it seems as if it's no I don't know what the game plan is. It's hard to tell that there's a game plan. I'm sure there's a game plan, but it's like once the game starts, I don't know if it just gets thrown out the window. I know you, you script your first play drive, but after that, what are the adjustments? Where are the adjustments? I will say that second half, like you said, that first drive, like where is that to start the game? Like you have – when you have a weapon like tank like we have, I mean – I don't know. You don't really want to force feed them, but you want to force feed them. <laughs> like, at least get them the ball early to get them in a rhythm versus dire. Uh, well, I don't want to say dire knees, but when a game is close, you're like, okay, we just got to go to them. We got to go to them. Why not jump start the game with that? And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I may be wrong, okay? But I think it was Gabriel Taylor, the Rice DB on the play the tank got hurt yeah. to me it looked like he was trying to hurt tank yeah he you rolled up on an ankle and turned and rolled it and turned it and twisted it that looked like it was intentional it okay? looked very- that i mean that's my take on it no i got the same take 
I agree. It definitely looked dirty. Um, someone called me like, did you see that? I, I agree. I saw the same thing. It looked dirty. He turned and twisted, gave it an extra turn and mm-hmm. tried to twist yeah. it. And now uh, that definitely um, looked dirty. But how about the secondary? I mean, I know we lost two players to the NFL in the secondary, but we had McCaffrey out there looking like Cooper Cup. Yeah. I mean, like, he was and, getting busy. <laughs> and, and Rosner, too, the, the big – Wide receiver for Rice, the six-five young man who who caught the hail mary at the end, yeah. set up the, set up the final play, which is another issue. I don't know why Dana called timeout because the, the, the clock would have started as soon as the ref blew the whistle. Game would have been right. over. Once the you ball know. is ready to play, yeah. So again, man, a win's a win. <laughs> I mean, it's not. There, there were so many things that, to concern us, but they found a way to win. And we can talk about it. I'm typing up stats as we as we're as we're talking. Um, man, Tajon Henry, 17 carries, 112 yards. I mean, we saw glimpses of yep. some positives, but other stuff. Too many penalties in the second half. It's just they're not consistent enough. They, they got to play better once conference play starts. Rice is better, but I mean, my goodness, man. The Cougs almost lost to Rice. Almost lost to Rice. <laughs> okay. Yep. So that's, that says a lot to me right there. Says a lot to me too. But before we continue the show, we'll actually let, let you guys know that this show is sponsored by Five Star Properties, a Dallas-based company owned by a UH alum. If you're facing foreclosures or need to sell your house as is for cash, call 972-532-SELL or visit their website at fivestarprops.com. That's fivestarprops.com. Yeah, they almost <laughs> lost to Rice. Um, what in that first half, what was it that Rice was doing from your point of view or UH didn't do? I know we just talked about the slow start, but I mean, defensively, offensively, what was it that Rice was doing that <clears throat> really they looked like the better team in the first half? Let's just call it, I mean, how it is. They look like the better football team in the first half. Well, one thing I think is key. Rice realized, discovered that their receivers could get open whenever they wanted to. I mean, that's what it would look like to me. McCaffrey and Rosler and the other young man, number six, let me get his name right. Um, Easdale, they got open seemingly at will. And that's a concern, man. I mean, I mean, it's not like I'm throwing shade at Rice, but if the Cougs are supposed to have so much better talent, your receivers losing matchups against Rice. Right. Your DBs losing matchups against Rice receivers. That's, that's, that's scary. That's scary, man. That's you know, scary. I mean, like, yeah, I'm thinking about practicing one-on-ones. Like, you got Tank, and you going to – I mean, I ain't trying to throw shade either to Rice's athletes or what, but, like – but again, what that does for me, it just highlights where the program is. Like I will say and admit, I bought into the hype of last year in the offseason, and I, I'm thinking that they're really going to turn a corner. And like we also mentioned, there's tiers in college football. Mm-hmm. We're still in that bottom tier as a football program. And a win like this, a win is a win. Celebrate it, and maybe you 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 try to – pound onto it and stack them up win by win, go one another like they say, but I don't know. What what about that defense, though? The D-line really, really came alive. 
in the later parts of the game to really help turn it around and build that lead and get the lead. What do you see from the from the front seven perspective, especially without Donovan Mutant? That's another name that we have to mention. Yes. Definitely missing Donovan Mutant. Missed him. Derek Parrish getting getting injured late in the first half. His absence was felt in the third quarter. Yeah. But then DeAnthony Jones stepped up in the fourth quarter. They finally stepped up. Sakav finally mm. stepped up and made plays. But this is Rice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I keep saying that. And, and yeah, okay, I'm, I'm old. And what is what is it now? 44 matchups. The Cougs have won 33 times, whatever it is. If, if Houston has so much more talent than Rice, that's what we've been led to believe. Yeah. We've been, been then either the coaching made up for Rice, coached up much better than Dana coached his players and Doug Belt too. But something is wrong. I mean, even Vegas had, a, what, a 17-and-a-half-point spread in this game. Mm-hmm. So Vegas thought something. If I, if I were a betting man, I'd have took those points because I, I because of the Cougs' struggles, I just did not believe they could beat Rice by that many points and cover. But I don't know if it's – I mean, it's got to be coaching tossed into inexperience in key spots. You know, during the broadcast, the guys did mention that the Cougs lost three players to the NFL. Three. I mean, the Bearcats lost nine. So, I mean, still, okay. But we're, what are we talking about here? Is the talent not there? Or is the coach not good enough to coach up the talent? I, I think I think it's a lot of the talent. I think it has a lot to do with the talent. Just putting it on the scale of Big 12 and Big 12. Just putting it on the scale of Big 12, I think it's the talent. Um, but I know – it's rice we're talking about, though. So I say that, <laughs> but it's rice that we're talking about. But I preface that by saying coaches can't make plays. They can put you in a situation, have you prepared and motivate you. It's a lot of different things that coaches do to help prepare a team, um, make adjustments, all these different things. And But I think at times, if I'm a coach, I trust you. I think I would trust you to go one-on-one against a Rice receiver. I mean, I mean, so is that on coach or is that on player? And so, But at the same time, if you keep getting beat, you keep getting beat. Then yeah. it's like on coaches <laughs> to make an adjustment. And everybody tuning in on YouTube, Twitter, Luke McCaffrey was open on that last play. Yeah. He beat Rodgers on the slant inside. The pass was just a little behind him. If yeah. he had him. We might be in overtime, and this show may not be starting right now because McCaffrey won offline of scrimmage and was open. And this is a man who played quarterback, like quarterback prior to this season before switching to wide receiver. I will say he got good genetics, though. So. Oh, yeah. And he balled today. But I think overall, man, the team still has to get better at situational football. I mean, that's really what it boils down to in situational football, making the right play, not hurting yourself with timely penalties to keep drives alive um, for the opposing team, hurting yourself with early on downs, getting you behind the, the distance and the change. And so the offense just hasn't really been able to establish a rhythm and get first down after first down and sustain drives. I mean, like what – I mean, with the six-year quarterback – I expect more from the quarterback. I know you got the play calling, but at the same time, 
with a quarterback with that much experience, and you would think he has so much talent. The way the the um the commentators talk about him. Um, last week they said he was the best quarterback UH has had since Case Keenum. They said that, and so I'm like, why don't you make it more plays as a thrower of the football? I like, and, and I'll, I'm asking you and and Andy. And Akib, I think, are, are getting post-game with Coach Hogerson right now, so they'll join us as soon as that they're able to. Um, Clayton Toon being in the sixth six year in the system or in the, as a quarterback. I don't believe he's, he's allowed to call audibles. I don't think so either. That's a great point. That's a great point. Which, to me, why not? If he's so experienced in the system, if he's so good, and understand the system and has a command of the system. Why is he looking to the sidelines so much? Why can't he call autos at the line of scrimmage based on what he sees on the field? I don't understand that. And once again, we've been talking about this four games in. The inconsistency, the offensive line, inconsistent throughout the game, run blocking good sometimes, then the pass blocking not good. Pass blocking is good sometimes. Run block is not good sometimes. So that's still an issue in these first four games. Um, the team won. Houston is two and two. Mm-hmm. So that is the bottom line of it. They got to play better. But Tank Dell, he came back in the game. Two of the Cougs O-linemen finished the game despite being banged up. So now the injuries starting to pile up on the team. Derek Parrish didn't finish the game. I didn't come back in the second half. Paul didn't finish either. He didn't finish, so the injury is starting to pile up. So that's a concern. So depth might be a factor. They play Tulane this Friday, 6 p.m., start at home at TD ECU Stadium. So conference play is about to start, so let's be happy about that and focus on that. But Rice almost beat Houston today. And, I mean, we're saying it. People tuning in on, on YouTube and Twitter are saying it. Rice almost beat Houston today. So I think all the talk, all the hype coming into the season, the Cougs, it's over. It's, it's, it's done. Over. It's over. But I want to ask you, my man, and everybody tuning in, the attendance at the stadium today, and I'm not harping on them because I don't know what can be done with these afternoon kickoffs in Houston in September. It's hot and humid as hell. In Houston, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 o'clock. I, I saw on uh, one of the Coog fans, Coog boards, folks passed out because of heat stroke today. So it's, it's, it's hard to me to blast the fans when they got to deal with this heat and humidity game in, game out at home. You know, I mean... I know TV dictates, conference dictates start times. But y'all going to start games at 6, 7 o'clock here in H-Town in September because fans, it's already tough enough for fans to be at the game anyway. <laughs> so if it's, a, if it's a 12, 2.30, 5 o'clock in September, fans are like, my health is more important than my alma mater. So I'm going to stay at home and watch it. So we'll see. But, yeah, serious, man. Folks said it got heat stroke. Passing out, and I'm like, I understand. 
That's tough, man. Because one of the com, both of the commentators during the game, when they did a live shot on both of them, both of them were sweating yeah. inside the booth, and so that only, I mean, kind of reassures me how what you said. It has to be true, and so I don't know what they can do about that. So, like, I'm like you. I'm not even gonna blame the fans. Not even blame the fans per se, but just kind of harp on them because we kind of been critical of them of attendance in the past, but. It's with reason this time. It's then, especially with the teams playing how they're playing, they only support winning teams. Really, they only support winners as far as Hugh H. Cook's concerned. Yeah. If you're not winning, I can't think of what sport that they're going to come support you. <laughs> and I mean, so, that's, that's true. And and let me ask you this, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this and folks as well as folks commenting. I don't understand from a, a business perspective why Chris Pesman is so adamant about continuing to play Rice every year because Rice does not draw well. Attendance-wise, right. they don't draw well at, at Rice nor at TD East U Stadium because so money-wise, this cannot be a financial benefit to UH Athletics to play Rice. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Like, what what are the incentives to play Rice? What are we gaining outside of that? Because you lose against Rice, that's yeah. even if you have a close game against Rice, is a, a lose lose situation. And so that's a that's a great point. And um, well, yes, yeah, that's a I never thought about that. But that's such a great point. Like, why why do that? But I do want to go back to one of your points a second ago about Clayton Tune making audibles. I wonder how much of that is him not being allowed to do so and how much of that is him not being comfortable or having or reading defense and being comfortable making those adjustments and how much trust is that within him or his ability to not do so because, like I said, a six-year quarterback, I expect all of that at the line. I expect you come to the line of scrimmage see the coverage that you're getting, see who is one-on-one before the place, not read. If it's tank, one-on-one, anytime we go into him or whatever receiver that you have that's you like that matchup, that's those pre-snap reads you expect from a, a six-year quarterback, in my opinion. And so quarterback play could and should be a lot better, in my opinion. But the running game, um, take John Henry. He showed up in back-to-back mm-hmm. games. He did what, whatever he has to do when his number is called receiving out of the backfield, running the football, had a big penalty um, in the game, but then made up for it with those two runs. One of them were a touchdown. And so, I mean, he, he really stepped up, especially without Brandon Campbell. He, he really played well today, Tejon Henry. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm producing as well. With, so Andy's giving me instructions on the back end. So we got a segment coming up with Hoop and Holler. Is it time for it? The Hoop and Holler uh, commercial, my man, Dayon. You got the read ready? Yes, sir. So we got the all right, uh, Hoop and Holler producing this segment, and now we're going to play the commercial from Hoop and Holler. You ready? Wait, hold on, hold on. I don't add two if you're needing the face is damaged. Oh, I only have all the five-star reads. Okay, nope, no, no, we're straight to it then. We're going right to it. And okay. then we go into some questions from the fans because one of them, I've been asking this for four games. <laughs> so, oh. all right, here we go. Big Hawk commercial. Hey, what'd you order? Oh, pizza and tea. Shouldn't it be ready by now?
get the lunch special. All right, big thanks to our, one of our, our secondary sponsor, Hoop and Holler Houston, part of uh, one of the collectives for, for UH, and that, that commercial right there. But damn, an audience. Question right here. <clears throat> and Carsten, I see your question about attendance. We got to find that out because I'm not sure of the official number. So we can put that up in a second. But right here, man, and the tight end have any touches? I saw Christian on the field. <laughs> I saw his number. I, I don't even know if he went out in, in any routes today. So what is up with that? How can you go from being a weapon last season to a non-factor the first four games of this season? That's a, a million dollar question that I wish I knew the answer to, but it's definitely a question that needs answers. I mean, you, you look at the way that he played last year, he was a safety blanket for Clayton Toon, mm-hmm. and especially with um Tank drawing so much coverage, you would think that Tristan his Tristan Trahan, Christian Trahan ability to catch the football will open it up even more over the middle. But I'm just astounded. It's crazy. I actually got a phone call with that same exact question. Why isn't Trahan getting any um, passes thrown to him this year? And I'm like, I have no idea. I mean, he's a a good tight end with good hands, can block. We see him blocking often and a lot. Mm-hmm. But, like, why isn't any? It just goes back to our guest game planning. And, like, what do you say? I don't know. I mean, he's definitely mm-hmm. someone – Another senior with for sure hands. I mean, I I can't recall many drops from him. He he catches everything, can make plays, athletic. Why aren't they giving him more involved with the offense? I mean, at what point does Dana take over? Like you're an offensive minded coach. Yes. Like, why not take over play calling? I mean, this is he's critical of the defense. He's critical of the offense too in his post press conferences. But if you're supposed to be an offensive minded and your offense is struggling take the reins right yeah and and from the beginning of the game <clears throat> right, right. don't wait until the third quarter because i think the Cougs have trailed all four games thus far this season offense has been sluggish in a slumber the first half pretty much except for one great start but let me talk toss this out to you <laughs> In the audience, Kansas is 4-0. Texas Tech beat the Longhorns. So how bad are the Cougs if they lose their losses are to KU and Texas Tech? I'm being facetious because I <laughs> still have concerns about this football team. But hey, I will say that Kansas look like they 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 got some. Their quarterback, man, we saw him last week. He put on another good performance this yeah. week. I don't know how they season gonna play out, but if he keep playing like he's playing and they winning, he got to be in the Heisman race. So, and who would have thought that? And let me go back to a comment I saw earlier because this is a great point. We talked about the heat and everything at TD ECU Stadium. A lot of Big Twelve games start at eleven o'clock at two thirty. Yeah. So that's gonna be, and <laughs> so we're gonna see what happens next year. We're going to see what happens when, because a lot of UH fans, supporters, alums have said the attendance will be better when we play better opponents. 
You know how I've harped on that for a long, long time. Too many UH people wait, come to the games to see who the Cougs are playing rather than who the Cougs themselves. Okay, well, 11 o'clock, it's still hot. 2.30, it's hotter. It's still going to be humid in Ace Town in September. Yeah. Y'all going to be there to see Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas. Well, let's be real. It's probably going to be more fans from that side at, at stadium than UH fans. Especially when you get into that Big 12 and the fans don't show up. These teams travel. Their fan base is yes, traveling. And so you don't travel. Uh, I mean, you don't come out and against a team like a Baylor or a Tech or a Kansas State. You name them, on, they will travel. And so, I mean, but like you said, that's a 100% true statement. The fan, Houston fans, Cougar fans come out to see the other team. And the last time it was sold out, packed out, was they came to see Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's fact. And so the team was good then too. But I mean, people was, I could, went to go see Lamar Jackson myself. And so I mean that that is one hundred percent true. But will they really show up if the team is bad? Will they really show up to see them play another school who may be good at the time? And so I mean I don't know if I really believe that the attendance will get better with opponents getting better because I know it's a bigger name, but if this team still isn't winning. I don't know will they really show up. I think it goes hand in hand. They do come out to see the other team. At the same time, they also only support the team when it's winning. <laughs> Agreed. And the announced attendance was 26,377. And that's probably tickets purchased because I'm not sure if we saw 26,377 inside the stadium. Especially, especially in the first half, <laughs> because yes. the sun was just beaming down, beating down on that other side of the field, the right side of the field. It looked empty over there. It looked, and I mean, I don't know if I should say understandable because it's Houston. It's hot. We know it's hot. So, I mean, it's, it's tough because I don't want people to suffer heat stroke. You know, anything like that, but you bought the ticket, come to the game a little bit and go back in the shade and get some water or whatever. So, and I'm, I'm not even sure if the stadium was designed in the right direction <laughs> because, you know, that's a whole other issue. I mean, it's done now. What, what You know, they, they can't change anything about that. Yeah. But attend, we, we'll see. This is a fair weather town, especially college sports. They love winners. To a point, yeah. But they also want to see the opponent, and I'm not sure. I'm with you. I'm not sure the move to the Big Twelve will solve the attendance problem. Yeah. I think it'll. Uh, it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I don't know what will, but next week is going to be tough, man. Against a two-lane team with a, a quarterback who I think could play at the next level potentially with some of his talent. I've seen him play. Numerous of times, but barely beating Rice. That's just I don't even know. Like I'm watching. Like I wonder what's the comment saying. What? Let me see. I can. Oh, I see him now. Like Oklahoma is playing currently. Man, like fans. What do y'all think? Like what? What's how, how y'all feeling about? I know Perry was ready for basketball season. <laughs> Practice is Tuesday. First practice hey, is Tuesday. 
<laughs> I hear football talk around me, and I can't. I don't even say nothing, especially when it's, man. And you know what? Before the season, Clayton Toon was ranked the best quarterback in Texas, and Houston was ranked the best team in Texas. Yeah. Right now, Texas Tech is looking like they might be the best team in Texas. Although I will say, I would wholeheartedly believe if Quinn Evers played for Texas, they beat Texas Tech. I will say that. But a win is a win. You beat whoever is on the field. I, I give them credit. And so, where do we go from here? Like, I don't. I'm lost. I don't know. And, <laughs> and for those tuning in, like I said, Andy and Aki are still at TD ECU Stadium. And Andy has not given me a yay or nay on this, but we have a we have a clip from Coach Hogerson's press conference. Let me play that now, and so it'll be we'll, we will be hearing it all uh, together for the first time, audience. So here we go, Coach Hogerson uh, post game press conference after the Cougs 34-27 win over the Rice Owls. Give Rice a lot of credit. Uh, they put a lot into this one. You can tell they were coming off a good win last week, so you know they were feeling pretty good about themselves. Um, at the end of the day, it was a heck of a football game. Uh, you know, uh, it's the 44th time for the Bayou Bucket. I mean, it means something to a lot of people, like I said all week. And it's not surprising this was a close game. Uh, I'm happy with the way our team just kept playing and, and found a way to win at the end. Very happy with that. Next question. Dana, have you ever started a season with, you know, four games in a row quite like this, yeah. you, know, all, you know, this close and this? No, I, 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 I can't remember that. And there's things that I've seen in these four games that I haven't seen ever in 32 years of coaching. It's, we'll, we'll, we'll line up and do it again next week. Six nights from the night, got another one. So it's going to come in pretty hot. What are some of those things, Dana? The ability to be able to play defense with no time on the clock. God dang. End of half, end of end of game. I mean, it's, it's every game. I mean, how about offensively? We get a dang first down and victory it. We can't. I mean, our short yardage offense was was pitiful. And you know, I'm not just mad at the defense or some of this stuff. I mean, offense can get victory formation and close the damn game out. We couldn't. You know, so then we got to give them the ball, and they almost go 96 yards and what amounted to, what, 24 seconds? God dang, I hadn't seen anything like this ever. Uh, you know, I don't know how many penalties we had, probably 20, you know, and that's four games in a row with double digits. I, I don't I don't know. I've coached the same way for 32 years, and this shit's hard, and it's, it's getting irritated. Next question. James. Yeah, Dana, overall, how do you feel about the O-line's play, especially in the run game? And the no. Stacey got some. I know. Tazon, I don't know. I mean, that's why you film it and watch it. I mean, Tazon got 100. He was a 100-yard rusher. I'm happy with that. Uh, you know, I thought Snead went in there. So, you know, probably pretty good, but uh, we got to keep getting there. A couple more. Dana, what were you guys able to do to get um, Tank open when, when he was in there? It seemed like he was able to you know, get him going. They had 100 yards. We're going we're, we're to continue to do everything we can to get him involved. They were playing a lot of man coverage. They got good little corner nickel guys. Uh, you know, they, all three of those kids I thought were good. Uh, 
we had some stuff to be able to free him up, and you know we got him loose. Got Golden got loose on a couple of man coverage things, which was good. Man, Jack was having a good game until he got knocked out. It's uh, gonna win. It's a trophy game. I'm happy to get the trophy. Thank you. Guys. Well, there you go. It's a good win. Happy to get the trophy. Um, he, Coach Holgerson said in 32 years he, he he hasn't changed his coaching style. I'm not sure if that's that's a good thing or not because, I mean. That's what I was thinking. You got to adjust to what you see and things like, you know, your players and, the game and all those things. I'm not sure that's a good thing. But I want to ask you this question. <clears throat> Just talk, talking about attendance and fan support and the fickle nature and all of that. Jeff Purdue, this is true. UH could still play for the title. It will be a battle. But do you think the Cougs going 8-0 in conference play will return, will see larger crowds at home based on who's left on the schedule? Let's say, let me pull up the schedule real fast. Let me see. If I look I at it. the schedule. Schedule. Okay, I got it right here. Next games. Let's say if they win one, two, three, four. Let's say if they win their next five in a row. And that's wins against Tulane, Memphis, Navy, South Florida, and SMU on the road. Do I think that would have a more crowd for a game against Temple? No, I don't. What about let's just say they went six in a row? It'd be then they have at East Carolina. Let's say they went seven in a row. Then you get close out the season at home against Tulsa. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, I don't think so. I mean, okay, say you went out, uh, you Cincinnati, or if they win, if they, maybe they drop one and you get a home um, championship game, then maybe I think a crowd may come. But for a championship game. For the championship. For a cha- it, it, it'll, it'll take a championship game to be at TDECU for a nice crowd to Houston standards mm-hmm. to, to come out, I think. And I think Andy Giannis is ready for us. We're going to see. He's in the studio. Andy, we're coming to you. Hope you're ready. Hope you're not uh, – uh, well, I won't say. Oh, you just, just lost him. I don't know what happened there. Um, so yeah, he's getting about to get on. Okay, King – Agrees with you a little bit. Let me pull it up here. The Cougs have to win the rest of their games, leading to a possible AAC title game at home to have a good crowd for that championship game. Yeah. I think that's reality. I think it it says a lot about the fans, the city, uh, H-Town college football fans. Uh, I think folks are disappointed at the two and two, how the team has looked in these first four games. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of folks bought into the hype. Uh, a lot was lost last week. They lost to Kansas. I think a lot of folks hopped off. I the think more away. was lost against Tech. And then, and then it got worse. <laughs> gasoline on it. Yeah. yeah. It got worse. So, <laughs> You know, because that's two Big 12 teams. Yes. And it kind of Lower echelon Big yes. 12 teams. <laughs> Another very good point. Lower echelon Big 12 teams. So these remaining games on the cool schedule, 
And Friday's game against Tulane is a 6 p.m. start. That beat a good or formidable <laughs> Kansas State team. Kansas State is formidable yeah. every year. They beat Kansas State, a Big 12 opponent who we 0-2 against Big 12. Right. And barely beat Rice. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to keep saying that. Barely beat Rice, struggle to beat Rice. So, yes, I mean, I guess we are tossing shade at Rice. Sorry, Rice. Sorry, Rice. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just what it is. Okay. Good luck in it. And they might – Rice needs – I mean, just need four more wins to get a bowl. Be they bowl should get eligible. So, I think they could, they could get that. Yeah. The Cougs, well, the same as the Cougs. They don't need four more wins, too, to be bowl eligible. <laughs> but – and if you're ready, give me a thumbs up. Give me a thumbs up if you're ready. Are you ready? Well, he's got controls too, so I guess you're ready. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How how's this? Is the is it clear? The stream is good. Yeah, it looks good. The TDC Stadium Wi-Fi. I found a spot that works. Um, Akib will be joining us shortly. Um, we just I, I was able to see that you guys played the um, Zayna Horson clip. So. Yeah. Any questions, any takeaways from there before we get get into anyone else? He's frustrated at the penalties. He's He seems to be at a loss for how to fix the team's issues. Yes, well put. Yeah. And I'm, I, I guess that's an honest feeling, but damn it, he's a head coach. It's his job to fix these issues. It's I don't I don't believe fans want to hear him say he's at a loss for for the stupid penalties. The 10 penalties for 100 yards again for the issues with the O-line. Fans don't want to hear that. Fans want to see results. Fans want to cool fans want to see Andy a double digit win over Rice. Yeah. <laughs> fans don't want to see a come from behind when to beat Rice. So what do you think? What do you think about when you heard those words? No, I, I absolutely agree. And it's just the, the frustration aspect of it. But um, especially when it comes to just overall, uh, the way this game played out. I mean, they were they were training at halftime. There was a point there. I mean, they give credit to where it needs to be done. They came out in the, in the third quarter. They, they converted. They went drive the field. I can't remember exactly what the drive was, but it ended in a touchdown. Um, I think they might have scored a touchdown on, on the first two possessions uh, of the half to start the game uh, in the third quarter. And, and I mean, they fought. It was an ugly win, but at the end of the day, a win's a win. Something that Clayton Toon said uh, during his presser was, you know, they can't take wins for granted. And at this point, it's, especially with a lot of the expectations that have come into the game, um, two and two is probably not where a lot of people saw this team in the preseason, but that's where they find themselves. And they have to turn it around because they're going to have a very, very tough 219 on Friday to open up conference play. And it's going to be a, a tough challenge. And and I agree because it's been something that it's been harped on. We've kind of honestly kind of talked about how Hogerson has sounded like a broken record at times, just in terms of, again, talking about, uh, stupid mistakes is the phrase that he's kind of needs to start trademarking after the last uh, three games. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I think I can't remember um, the total number of penalties that Houston had. They had 10 again. So that's in all four games 
this season they've committed 10 or more penalties. And, I mean, that's a big difference from where they were a season ago when they only committed uh, – they only had two games the entire season when they had 10 or more penalties. They've done it in all four games uh, to start the year. 10 penalties for 110 yards. Quick question, Andy. Um, he seems – Hogerson seems very critical – but also mentioned some down lapses of the offense. But does he was he asked about the inconsistencies to starting the game from the offense about what he could do to make the offense better? Uh, I I don't think he was asked specifically about just the inconsistent starts. I think kind of the conversation here towards the second half. Uh, but it's something that's been asked before, and again, a lot of it just has to do with um, they just. Honestly, every time he's been asked about it, it's just, you know, they need to focus on cleaning stuff up. That's the message has been reiterated, but there hasn't ever been a, a specific stuff or a specific plan that's been, you know, shared with the media. But it, that's kind of the same message, something the message that was reiterated this week um, leading up to the game was do your job. Um, that was the message that, that all the Houston coaches were repeating. The players were repeating. It sounded like they had all gone to school with Bill Belichick or something, just how much they often kept repeating that phrase. And, um, again, since they were training at halftime, uh, I, I believe it was Tank Dell that said all well, the message that was shared again at halftime was just do your job. And and whatever he said, Tank Dell said that Dana Horison was uh, yelling it at, during halftime, just everyone needs to do your job. A couple of players were reiterating it. And, um, I mean, again, going back to, to Houston, they do deserve credit to not being able to let go of the rope. And, again, it was Rice, like you mentioned, Chris, a lot of fans probably want to see Houston dominate the Owls, but um, they were able to scrape by. And, and what a what an ending it was. That was a really crazy ending where it, it, things could have gone really, really bad um, had had um, TJ McMahon been able to connect with McCaffrey what, on that last play. Andy, let me ask you, and I'll bring Akibin on this, and I don't know if you want me to pull up the comments from a fan because I don't want to cover up the hoop and holler Houston, so I'll just read it. But super inconsistent. Giving away big plays on defense, dumb penalties, nullifying big plays on offense, and a sputtering offense. That's been the case for, for, for these four games. Okay? So it, it's almost – I think you said it last week, Andy, after three games, now it's four, their inconsistency is not their consistency. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because yeah. the issues are there game in, game out. Okay? It's just a question of when it's going to go – Haywire at some point in the game. And how, but, much, how much does the quarterback take for the blame? If it was going all well, we would give the quarterback so much praise. He's doing this, he's doing that. But me personally, I can only speak for me, I expect more from Clayton Toon. I, I mean, from how he played last year to how he played second half against UTSA, like I can see it. But then once again, I see – Ryan Fitzpatrick. I see glimpses of okay, you could be, you could do something. And then I see like okay, it's just Clayton too. And I don't know what to say, but I gotta go. You guys, I gotta get ready to anchor the ten o'clock news. I keep what's up, brother? We, yeah, what's your take? Man? Hold on, before I go, I gotta hear his take. I gotta hear what he thinks about. <laughs> I gotta hear. It. <laughs> I thought hey, it started off amazing, seven zero, and then it kind of went downhill, and it was just back and forth the whole time. But I'm just happy that we got a win, brother. Like, <laughs> we, it, it, you know, after that last play, it looked like things could have gone very badly. So I'm just glad we got a win. 
For sure, man. All right. I can't leave without saying still go cougs. Still go cougs. Agreed. And for sure. Take care, man. Have a good, have a good uh sports cast. Thank All you right. for, for uh, being on the show and, and doing your part while we're uh f- filling the shoes of well and any occupy post game at the stadium. All right, guys. All right, All right take, day, care. take care. Okay. Now I got you two guys. <laughs> I gotta ask you this question. To me and Dayon, it, it seemed like Rice's receivers could get open whenever they wanted to tonight. Yeah. That's a concern because we're talking about Rice receivers, okay? We're not talking about I, – I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, Luke McCaffrey, I'm pretty sure, is not a NFL draft pick as a receiver based on four games of being an NFL uh, – I mean, a college receiver. He was a quarterback previously to this, this season. But he had a big game for Rice. Okay, what did you think about Rice's receivers and Houston's struggles against Rice's receivers? No, like you said, it felt like they could get open whenever you know whenever they wanted to. And then you saw how you saw the couple of pass interference calls, and that's something that we touched up with Dana Holgerson, you know, at the end of in in, uh, in the press conference, and he's. He, he, he understands that there's been four games straight with 10, 10 uh, penalties plus, and he, he just had no answer for it. And that's what that's kind of concerning to me is that it's just, it just feels like it, it feels like they don't have any answers for what's going on right now. Although they got a win today, it still feels like they didn't really progress forward, if that makes any sense. And yeah, it does. And that's a concern. I mean, because Dana's he, – he's in charge. Doug Belk's defense until the last few drives in the fourth quarter was struggling against Rice. Yeah. Guys, like I said, this is Rice. If Houston is – has more talent than Rice, that's what, that's what we led to believe. Why the struggles? That's got to be coaching then. You know, pro for Rice, their coaching staff did a good job of coaching their players up and then negative for Houston because if it's a talent issue, the Cougs got more, what do you want to say, three stars than Rice does. But you could, for much much of this game, you could not tell that. And that's a concern. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That That's still going to be, that's a big concern heading into now the conference portion of the schedule. And it's something that, I mean, give credit to the defense. Um, they they were able to come up big uh, in the fourth quarter, and they made plays that ended up feeding the game for Houston. Uh, obviously, De- DeAnthony Jones came up big with those back-to-back sack, uh, sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, that They forced McMahon to fumble on both of those. One, Rice was able to recover the first time, but um, Houston, Nelson Caesar was able to scoop and score the second time. But even coming up big with the interception, um, they've shown flashes, and that's the thing. Um, the entire season, minus the Kansas game, where they really got ran out. It, it was like a track meet uh, last week at TDCU Stadium with how the defense performed. But it it's kind of goes back to the frustration thing aspect because there's times where there's flashes. They saw it in the UTSA game where, again, Derek Parrish made a play. Nelson Caesar, uh, kind of coincidentally, he was the one that made the pick and then ended up setting up Houston perfectly, and, and that was a pivotal game-changing play. 
during that outing. And then against Texas Tech, you know, they forced three interceptions against Donovan Smith and they just can't seal the deal um, before the overtime period. And then uh, again, kind of leaving Kansas outside this game against Rice, they were, they were able to seal the win. They, they won it, but even then the Owls were able to drive down and, and kind of, you could say fortunate, fortunate just in terms of, the situation that ended up, there was like one second left, which that whole situation was really crazy that the referees said that there was still one second left on the clock. Um, but yeah, let's talk that, about that. that. Let's, let's talk about that. I'll bring in James as well. James, I don't know if James is in his dorm room or not, but James Miller is joining us. Um, see if we can move that around because James is blocking us. Can you get remove or move? Okay, that's we'll do that. That's fine. Okay, well, I don't want to be the big screen, you know. Because now we can't see you, Andy. We can't see you anymore, Andy. See, we got all these sponsors now, and and you know, that's no. Do it like that. I'll just move around. Yeah, do it like that. You previous one. Um, James, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'll move. I'll move myself around. There we go. Yeah, there we go. I'm good with that. No problem. Um, The final two plays, the hail mary, which was caught by Rosner, who who had a a mismatch advantage for Rice. All game two, which was similar I, to the UTSA play. You know, I understand it. Eight seconds were on the clock when the play happened. The long pass. So you could say it took seven seconds. Okay, let's let's say that's what the refs decided. It took seven seconds. I don't know why they didn't call a timeout because as soon as the ball would have been spotted, right, the clock would have gone off. Okay, even if um, T.D. McMahon would have been at the ready at, under snap, under center, the, the ball, the clock still would have gone off. So I think Dana gave Rice a second, gave them a play. And that play almost cost Houston because, like I said, Lou McCaffrey it was, he, was open. He had it. Yeah, he, he had it. On the slant, he was open. And the pass is just a little behind him. was allowed to be broken up. So, man, oh, man, we could have been talking about it. A cluster collapse. <laughs> mess up right there. So that's my take on that. But James, what are your thoughts on what you heard Coach Hogerson say and the frustration I, we heard in his voice? Did you hear that as well? Yeah, it was about as frustrated as you can be after a win. If you were just an outsider looking in, you would have thought they lost if you didn't watch any of the game based on his comments. Um, and, I mean, I get – it wasn't a clean game at all for UH. It was an ugly win, um, and I get where the frustration is. I don't think he took it out the mo- in the most appropriate way. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's still, like, I don't know how much this win does for the, the program as a whole. I, I mean, it's Rice. They, sh- they should have beat him by more. Um, barely surviving and like you said with that last play I think if Rice scores that touchdown they go for two to try to win it um and who knows that Rice was for the most part the Rice offense was giving UH's defense trouble um except for you know those last two possessions before the Hail Mary when UH came up with two turnovers um so who knows how that ends but yeah I mean it's a win but it doesn't feel like a win um to Holgerson and let me say this guys coach Rice's coach Bloomgren messed up by wasting timeouts, the time when he called yeah. a challenge, he didn't have to do that. If he had, if he would have had that timeout in his pocket on that last drive, 
who knows? We might still be going on in overtimes at TD East U Stadium. So both coaches kind of made some questionable decisions in the second half. The Cougs won. It wasn't pretty. Uh, I want to get you guys' take on the attendance, the heat and humidity. What can be done, if oh anything, God. to improve attendance, to help the fans deal with the heat and humidity? Um uh, Will it get better this season now that we're getting into October? Will it be less hot, less humid? Or yeah. will it matter at all? No. Well, I, I, I preface that because I was walking around TDCU Stadium for about an hour before the game. It was, it was brutally hot today. I feel It felt like today was much hotter than it was last week. Um, and, I mean, kudos to the fans that were sitting on the sun side for much of the game. Uh, because it must have been brutal for them <laughs> uh, to sit there the entire time. Um, when it comes to attendance, yeah, so the uh, announced attendance that I have right here on the sheet, 26,377 um, people filed into to TDCU for Houston Rice. And uh, I would say I cited it. It was a pretty decent show, especially for Rice, especially when you look at the, at the shade side. There was a pretty significant amount of people. Um, at the game, and especially when Rice, I think, in the Paper City magazine that Chris Baldwin had written, uh, Chris Pesman is quoted saying they, they were expecting 24, somewhere around that ballpark. So if, if, if the number I have in front of me is accurate, they, they beat that. So that's that's good for them. And again, um, in regards to your question about whether that would improve as the weather kind of cools down, uh, it really, at this point, it depends on the, the on-field product. And it's going to, it's going to, I think it's going to – a lot of it is going to have to do with how they come out and how they look against Tulane. That's going to be the conference opener. It's going to be a really, really good Tulane team. And if they can if they can put together a strong, convincing win, that'll, that'll go a long way in getting more fans into the stands. Or if they look like they did against Kansas and, and it looks like Tulane is a, a tier above them, that's really going to – there's already fans that are kind of checked out. I'm sure this game is probably not going to do a lot to, to move them back into the Houston – bandwagon but um at the end of the day the on-field product is going to be what what brings more people to the stand i would have to uh, or can i jump in real quick yeah go ahead okay cool i i think andy hit on a lot of points i'd have to disagree on the two lane part like i don't think the outcome of two lanes going to matter much because like last year we saw uh i forget had like six or seven wins in a row they're facing an undefeated smu team they draw like twenty five thousand. um I mean, that was that was a bigger game than any conference game will be this year. And so I think the only way that attendance improves this year, one, is if they host a conference championship, I think they'll get a good crowd. Or if the other team brings in a bunch of opponents, then that will boost numbers. But I don't see uh, much the Cougars can do to improve the home fan base in terms of attendance this year. Hockey, what do you say? No, I agree with uh, James for sure. And I don't see the attendance getting any better until we're in like an actual position to win the conference championship. So maybe last game of the regular season at home, that's, that's a possibility, but the attendance, you know, I didn't, I expected it to be like what it was today, just based off of the last, what has transpired over the last three games. So at this point it is what it is. Like you, as you know, as fans, we, you can only hope that you know things get better when we enter the Big Twelve. But I feel like it's going to be more so because the other teams are going to bring more people from attendance. Because Houston is one of the biggest cities, you know, in the country, 
And there are a lot of alumni from other Texas schools, and they have huge fan bases. If you, you want to mention Tech, you can mention, uh, you know, when we do play Baylor, you know, or other, you know, other teams in the Big 12, I could definitely see attendance getting better. But as of right now, it's, it's very tough, even, even after a win. So, is, I mean, that's reality. But is that a good thing that we don't see attendance improving the rest of the season unless UH gets to the conference championship game? I mean, I think I mentioned this uh, last week, how it's kind of 50-50, like on both. You got to see how the play is on the field, but then it's also on, on the fans to come show up, win or lose. You see teams, some teams that are barely above 500 in other Power 5 conferences, they pack the stadiums. Um, regardless, like even after I think a who was in or of course Texas, they came up with the win or they came up with a loss in their first game against uh, Alabama. But uh, you have teams like A&M after a bad loss against Appalachian State, they still will, you know, sell out their stadiums. And like you can, there, there are a lot of dynamics that are in play with how Houston fan bases are because we have the Rockets, we have uh, the Astros, you have the Texans, Dynamo. There are a lot of other teams that um, fans support. So it is, it can be difficult for us to pack a stadium, but at the same time, it's on the fan base of Houston to come out. And, and, adding, on to, and adding on to that, um, like one thing that obviously TDECU Stadium, I'm not denying that some of, there's issues there that need to be solved. They're, they need to be able to better accommodate fans, make the game day experience more enjoyable. But like you always say, Chris, UH fans care more about the opponent than ac- than UH actually. Um, and until that changes, the the, the attendance isn't going to change because heat, okay, use that as an issue, but there's 100,000 people at Daryl K. Royal or Kyle Field every Saturday, and it's just as hot there. They're uh, – I mean, bad, bad teams, uh, just like it was mentioned, you know, even Texas A&M had, I don't know what the official attendance was, but for the Appalachian State game, even though they lost, that's a quote unquote bad team that coming into the game and they still have 90 plus, maybe even a hundred thousand fans. Like, so there, there's just no excuse. Um, if you truly care about UH, you show up, um, you can't, you can't make all these excuses because other fan bases across the country aren't. And uh, we'll put it on that note because I do have to shout out our primary sponsor in Five Star Properties. This is going to be their last show for a while, being the primary sponsor after this game, September 30th. We're at the four-game mark, which is crazy. We're already um, now a third of the way through the football season, but we will have a new primary sponsor beginning September 30th. So I just want to give super props to Five Star Properties because they were the ones that really took a chance on us at the beginning. They were the the first one that kind of jumped on board and, and we've really seen that growth early on through just four games of the football season. And obviously, we'll stay with it for the remainder of the games in the football season. We'll stay with it once the men's basketball season starts on November 7th. So, again, huge shout out to Five Star Props. And the owner, Jay, wants you to know that if your house has fire damage, water damage, or even toxic toxic mold, and you are in the Dallas area and you'd like to sell your home as is, be sure to visit www.fivestarprops. Or, of course, be sure to call. 972-532-7355 as you see it on the screen. We'd also like to point out that Hoop and Holler that has been in the left-hand corner for the past um, 
various minutes of the show, they were the secondary sponsors to this show. So this is the first show where we've had a primary sponsor and a secondary sponsor. So big props to Hoop and Holler, the Houston Sports Micro Collective. Um, they are the entity behind the Star Pizza commercials, uh, the, the Anthony Jones, the Hawk one that was played earlier in the show. And they also have a message, and they'd like you to know that if you're a Houston fan looking for some pizza for a tailgate or if you're looking for pizza after the Cougars game, make sure it's Star Pizza, the the unofficial pizza of Houston Athletics. They, I guess they can't technically be called official, but when you, you see the Star Pizza commercials, they're doing uh, great things with NIL when it comes to uh, the Sac Avenue guys with DeAnthony Jones and a lot of those players. And they've made big – DeAnthony Jones showed out big against uh, Rice. So he earned his commercial spot after this game. Uh, one of the things that I did want to transition over to, and, and this is something that, you know, when we look ahead, especially um, at the performance, kind of the the, the big position that's going to be always going to have the eyes on, that's going to be quarterback, um, the quarterback position. And Clayton Toon, he had a, a, a bit of an interesting game. He finished, I mean, it, it always looks like his completion and attempt percentage are going to look good. He finished 19 of 26 in this game, 249 passing yards. He had two touchdowns. He had one interception. He had a couple of rushes, too. He ended the, the game with uh, 26 rushing yards. But just overall, his performance, and I guess the offense overall, for the second, I mean, kind of the, it has been a theme for much of the season. The offense struggled a bit in the first half. And, and they really got things going in that third quarter. There's something about coming out of halftime uh, that Houston, for you know, obviously it comes to adjustments, and they've, they've been able to figure out, at least when it comes to the first drives of the third quarters, they've been able to find a lot of success. And, um, and once again, they ended up with a touchdown, and they were able to do enough to get past Rice. They were tied at 27. Obviously, the defense got the, the final score that ended up carrying them over the top. But go around the table. Uh, Akiba, I'll start with you first. Just overall, what were your thoughts of Clayton Toon's performance in, in Houston's 34-27 to win over the Owls? No, I thought it was actually pretty solid. Um, I just – I think it just – if his performance is a little bit down, I think it, a lot – some of it comes down on also to the coaching, um, just the playmaking or like the play calling um, in, in my opinion because I do st- still see him taking shots down the field when he has it. Um, the interception today, obviously, I wouldn't say that was on him. It was uh, through the hands of uh, the receiver. So today was solid. Nin- Nineteen for twenty-six, two hundred forty-nine yards. That's like a that's a very good game to have. Two touchdowns as well, and he was finding Tank. Tank had nine receptions, I believe, one hundred thirty-four yards off the top of my head. I'm not sure, but he Tank had a good game too. And th- these are the type of games where like you just kind of you got to throw it up to Tank or throw some 40-yard bombs. I think he did that pretty well today. So today, uh, the offense, uh, even though there were times where Rice stopped us, I don't think it was totally on how Clayton Toon played or how our running backs played. Because running backs also ran the ball very well today. Tazon Henry, he had over 100 yards um, running. um, Yeah, rushing. So Yeah, yeah. So it was a good game from them. I think it just depends on the play calling, in my opinion, right now. And okay, I, I toss it over to you because it's a perfect segue because this was your first uh, at University of Houston football game experience. You were able to ask uh, – you were able to attend the postgame press conference and you actually asked Clayton Toon this question. So big props to you. And uh, going forward, he was quarterback Clayton Toon. Clayton, there's still, you know, a problem with the penalties and the false starts. 
what, what can you see that's going on? You know, this is already four games. Um, is there something, you know, different that you're seeing or what's going on? Um, I can't pinpoint one thing right now. Like I said, we're going to have to watch the film and, um, you know, try and pinpoint what it is. And I think we just have to continue to harp on, you know, discipline. And, you know, the message this entire week was just, you know, do your job. Um, you know, just try to not hurt the team, do your job, and, and um, you know, be disciplined in doing that. So that's going to be the message moving forward, and, you know, we're just going to continue to harp on that. So. But I think at one point your left tackle is out, your right tackle's been hurt for, for four games, your left guard walked off. I mean, how unsettling has that been for, for the offense? Um, it definitely makes it hard. You know, last year we had the same starting five, you know, for all – 14, 15 games, whatever it was, 14 games. So, um, you know, that's that was a constant. But this year, you know, like you said, we're having to move some guys around. But um, you kind of just expect it. You know, football's a physical game, and guys tend to get banged up. So um, we're prepared for it, and it's, you know, not something that's going to distract us. We're just going to, you know, roll with the punches and figure it out. So, again, that was quarterback Clayton Tune. Uh <clears throat> the, the question I asked, uh, comma, I just in terms of the penalties, uh, something uh, honestly kind of mirroring uh, a little bit what Dana Horson said in the past, but there's just too many things uh, for them to be able to exactly pinpoint. But it's something that, that for the past four weeks they've been reiterating that they need to clean up, and it's something that um, they still haven't quite been able to figure out. Now, we mentioned earlier in the show, now four straight games um, where they've committed 10 or more penalties, and obviously is a much different team than a season ago, but compared that to 2021, they only did that twice the entire 2021 season where they committed uh, um, 10 or more penalties. So James, I'm going to toss it over to you. What were your takeaways from Clayton Tune, either from that clip or just overall his message? He had high praise for Tank Dell as well in the presser. Yeah. I mean, I thought Clayton played a decent game. I agree with Akub that the um, interception wasn't really on him. My biggest thing has been just, so for three out of the four games, the offense has started really slow. They haven't really gotten out together. But then in three of the four games, uh, they've come out of the second half just looking completely different. You know, you have the big shot against Texas Tech. They go right down the field against Kansas and score. And then today, the big play to Tank Dell. Why Why aren't they coming out like that in the first half? Like, <laughs> Agreed. I, I mean, <laughs> why are you waiting so long? Because – Yes, Toon's numbers look fine, and I think he played a fine game. But just imagine if you come out taking some shots, taking some risk. We could be seeing some of them. I mean, we could be talking about a, a much different Clayton Toon. Um, so, yeah, that's my, that's my big thing is just I, I just don't understand why they're waiting till the second half to take all these shots. And, yeah. Yeah, that kind of segues to what I asked um, Tank um, in the in the post game press conference. And he, I asked him basically what you know, what can does he feel like he could still get better even after having a game like he had today? And he said absolutely. You know, he he can always get better. And I think I feel like he can't. I don't think he's gonna get better himself. I think it's just a matter of just getting him the ball, throwing it up there, like that that forty yard bomb. Those are exa- those are the plays exactly what we need to do, and I feel like he can outrun. He's he's fast as hell. He can outrun almost any other defender, and he also mentioned how how he saw um, the coverage. It was all uh, man man coverage, and if you have man coverage out there, like 
it doesn't make sense to me why you're not, you know, why don't you have guys more open or why you're not throwing more bombs just to, you know, get the defense maybe to start playing some zone. Then it opens up anything within 10 to 20 yards. It's just things like that. It doesn't make sense to me with, again, the play calling it comes to mind. So with yeah, the, bo- or the bottom line is why are you going away from something that has proven to work and, and sticking with something that doesn't work? Like, the same, this, doing the same thing over and over again. Andy talked about this last week. That that's the definition of insan- insanity. Because, but they're just committed to it. A, a few things about that. It's it's the coaching. What's happened to Christian Trahan? He's disappeared in the the past passing game. But I don't. But it it to me, it looks like Clayton Tune cannot call audibles so if he sees a one-on-one matchup he can't change to it he has he's looking to the sideline for the call and whatever they call from the sideline he has to stick to it he's an experienced quarterback in this system so that's what it looks like to me is that he cannot get to the line of scrimmage being shotgun or whatever the formation and audible to something that he sees is an advantage for whichever matchup, Tank, Man Jack, uh, whoever it is. So that's an issue. So answer that. And then I want to get to back to the, the tennis. The tennis problem is an age-old thing, but let's discuss that in a second. So whoever wants to talk about the audible issue, feel free. Yeah, I'll go first. I know one thing you mentioned about uh, Toon being a, a veteran quarterback. Uh, I can't remember if this was – last season or the year before, but I, I remember asking Dana Hungerson something along those lines and uh, what he had said back then. And I, again, I can't remember if this was last season or the year prior to that, but um, everything gets called by the sidelines. And I'm not entirely sure if, if, I mean, obviously it's a new season. I'm not sure if Toon still have that flexibility to be able to call um, audibles at that point, obviously, like, like you mentioned, Chris, he's an experienced quarterback. He should, have a good handling, but it, it might just be something where the coaching staff just doesn't do it just the way they run things. But uh, that that's that's something that would certainly be uh, worth noting for the future and see see what kind of that uh, process is like for Tune whenever he is at the line if he can call audibles. Um, that'd be a good question to ask going forward. I'll certainly make a note of that. But that's that's just something that Horgerson said in the past. Again, I'm not sure how the dynamics has changed since then, but. Um, I think overall, it, it, it is, it is again, just going back to the theme of this team the entire season, and, and Chris, you alluded to it, where the one consistency they have had this entire year is that they had been inconsistent. And I think that's one thing where um, I'm not entirely sure, as I adjust my camera, I'm not entirely sure, um, just going back to the penalty, there's not one – thing you can pinpoint because there's, there's a lot of various factors there's a couple of times when um tune or there's a couple of times when tune they get the offense moving i mean even they were able to overcome some during this game where clayton tune found tank dell for a big game they were um, it was on a play that Dell got a little bit dinged up on and he, he ended up popping off the field but i think they had gotten in within the 20 yard line and then a penalty sent them back um and then at one point they were at a second and 29 and Tejon Henry kind of bailed them out, being able to rush for a 28-yard 
run and then a play later they scored a touchdown on it that's really been the story it kind of all connects together it's the penalties that have kind of slowed them down because there's been numerous times throughout the first four games where they do get rolling they do get a lot of big plays and a killer penalty kind of just ends up killing the entire drive agreed i want to get back to this i think james ready now um so we can bring it back in there we go. Attendance. This is a pro town. Houston is a pro town and supports winners. Okay. We all, we know that Houston also UH fans also opt to see the opponent more than UH. That's got to change going to the big 12. And in this sense, marketing has to improve, but the, the, the core fans for Houston, that base has to grow. You know, you look at Aggies, Longhorns, there are 50,000 of them who are diehard Longhorns, diehard Aggies, diehard Buckeyes, diehard LSU fans, on and on and on, Michigan, on and on. The core diehard fan base that buys tickets to football for UH is what? 15,000? 10? That win or lose, they will always be there. Mm-hmm. Houston has to grow that fan base. Win or lose, they will always be there. We can't rely on the opponent to come in. You know, winning, obviously, winning helps, but win or lose, Houston UH needs money consistently from the alumni, from all of the alums, not just the well-to-do alums, the wealthy alums, you know, not just the James Mueller's who got deep pockets, you know. He's not an alumni yet. You know, he's not an alum yet. You know, like Andy, deep pockets Andy, you know. I don't have deep pockets. It's, we need support from everybody because it's our university. It's our alma mater. So it can't just be supporting winners kick face. It has to be supporting Houston. And let me be clear. I, I'm a media person, but I, I still spend money in athletics. But I'm also critical of the team when I think they deserve it. Mm-hmm. So we just can't have this mindset of, well, they're not winning. I'm not going to s- support them. I'm not going to spend any money on them because they're not winning. Do you know how hard it is to win consistently year in, year out in any sport? So we can't wait on that and, and hang our hat on that. Well, they're not winning, so why should I support them? Well, damn. Okay, then, <laughs> then that, may never, that will never change. That mentality has to change. And I'm not talking about getting into a cult level like the Aggies because that's a whole other level of fandom there. But I'm talking about supporting UH athletics, win or lose, but also being critical of them when they deserve it, but also giving them credit when they deserve that too. Before before we toss it over to James and Akib, I do like to remind you guys that our primary sponsor is Five Star Properties, the Dallas area-based company owned by Houston Cougars alum who talk about supporting UH athletics. They are supporting something that kind of covers the UH athletics brand and is able to expand that. And that's five-star properties. And our guy Jay wants you to know that if you are in the Dallas area and 
you are looking to sell your house, uh, your, sell your home for cash as in, whether it be um, due to various situations. It could be flood damage. It could be fire damage. Heck, you could just want to sell your home. Maybe you're moving to a new location and you want cash uh, for your house. Five Star Properties is a company you need to do so in the Dallas area. Please be sure to call 972-532-7355 or be sure to visit their website at www.fivestarprops.com. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Obviously, of course, we'd also like to shout out our secondary sponsor in the hoop and holler, the Houston Semi-Collective. They were gracious enough to be able to be a secondary sponsor of this show. They are the Houston Sports Micro Collective. And again, they are the entity behind the Star Pizza commercials, the Lights of Saka with DeAnthony Jones, who once again made up, came up big during this game against Rice and a lot of the other commercials, like the Big Hawk commercial you saw. And going forward with the University of Houston basketball season around the corner, be sure, I'm sure they're going to have another commercial around the corner so thanks again to hoop and holler for being the secondary sponsors to the show james akib i'm gonna toss it over to you guys like chris said right there um i mean just looking at it in the comments chris there's 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 a lot of pushback to what you're saying um just in terms of that they need to earn it and i think for the most part it's going to be really hard it's going to be it's honestly it's a mindset change and that's that's something that's going to be hard to to change it might not never happen I mean, it's something that even with the men's basketball program, they had to they have to consistently have to have success. And I mean, they're in one heck of a run going back to 2019 when they first got to the Sweet 16. Um, obviously, a Final Four, they've had consistent level of success, and now they're reaping the benefits, uh, reaping the rewards of being able to establish that success. I think the football team was in a point where um, fans were optimistic that 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 could be established and when it didn't happen right away again a lot of it had to do with a lot of the hype coming into the season it's something that um, I'm, Nelson Caesar post game actually said himself he kind of alluded to it where coming into the season Houston Cougars they felt really good about themselves he said that they were probably thinking they were and, and then just to I'm paraphrasing a little bit but this were along with the words that he said he said he felt the Houston Cougars probably felt like they were a little bit better than they actually were in the first four games that humbled them that was something along the lines that Caesar said, and I found that quote very interesting because, I mean, there was so much expectations coming into the mm-hmm. season, and then you know, first the UTSA game because they, that was a that was a game that could have easily gone either way. Uh, they were able to pull through a tough win, so that kind of there was a little pause for concern right there, but they came out on top in the Texas Tech game again. Um, Houston had a chance to win that game. They didn't. It went into overtime again, going into the fourth and 20, that Houston had a chance to win that game, and it just didn't work out. They allowed Texas Tech to convert. The Kansas game kind of fell everything apart, and honestly, some of it might have been a hangover from that Texas Tech game, the back-to-back overtime games heading into it. So now they were kind of in a position where, okay, the buzz has kind of died down. There's not – it's going to be an uphill battle just to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, we don't have confidence that they'd be able to get. And I'm talking from a fan perspective, not necessarily, but the fans. A lot of them are saying, "Oh, we don't, we don't really trust them to win the American Athletic Conference." And now, with looking at the game against Rice, they a lot of fans probably expected them to come in here and kind of do what they did to Rice a season ago, and they won 44 to seven. And that was not the case. Uh, give, I mean, Lou, uh, not T.J. McMahon. I mean, he had a really good game. He had a couple of throws that was they were incredible but when you look at the expectations that Houston came into the season and what they have been able to put on film through the first four games it, it's got a lot of fans reeling really and um, honestly it, it kind of 
took all the buzz away from a lot of the optimism because there was talks which I know Chris James we kind of talked about on folks talking sports we didn't necessarily buy into it but there were some people some national outlets saying that Houston could do what Cincinnati did and and kind of sneak into the college football playoff which that right there was probably unreasonable expectations to put on his team to start with but certainly a new year's six bowl was something that probably a lot of fan bases were looking forward to and now it's going to be an uphill battle just to get to that point um for Houston but I think at the end of the day, if they can get it together and that on-field product is what's going to get those supporters to come. And, I mean, from the comments, we've we've been able to see uh, there's a lot of pushback to what you said, Chris. But at the end of the day, if they start winning a lot of games, and like I could said, if they can host, or I believe it was James that said, if they can host an American Athletic Championship game in Houston, that'll get the fans through the door. Uh, but at the end of the day, and now really? it's wait and see. If they get to the point, and again, it depends on how they do um, with the conference schedule they have. I think if they can, if they can be look dominant doing it, it's not like I even then. I don't think they'd end up going through conference slate where they're like getting by games. But if they can host the conference championship game, I think that'll get fans through. There. Certainly north of thirty thousand and forty thousand, the big goal. Maybe I, I think if they host the championship game, that'll get fans through the door. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. See, what concerns me is – I sent a picture to you, Chris and Andy, before the game – is the students. I think that tells a lot about the future. Um, you look at all these great fan bases, and why do they continue to do it? Because their students are invested. They're bought in. They fill those bleachers every time. The picture I sent to you was a little under 40 minutes before. There was no more than 20 students in the game. And the student section, it ended up filling probably half up, which is about 2,500. That, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, if you can't get that, if you can't get these students, uh, that concerns me for the future. Where, where is this next level, the new level of alumni? Cause a lot of these people that are the 10 to 15,000 people that, you know, are win or lose, we're going to support the Cougs are of the older generation. True. And so, you know, 10 years down the road, if you're, stu- if you keep having these same issues with the students where you're not able to fill I don't know. I can't tell you the last time the student section has been completely full and that's only requiring 5,000. And you look at other schools, like you can look, look at the videos on Twitter last night from Texas tech, thousands of kids camping out. I mean, just look at the videos from Kansas. Yeah. Kansas, or Kansas yeah. Yeah. Like kids camp out. They, they go insane for these things. And UH, I mean, it's the easiest thing you, you walk into the door and you're in. Um, you, it's a free ticket and you still can't fill it up. So that's what's concerning me about the future. Um, and if we'll even see this change, because I do think like y'all have all hit on the points, you know, winning helps, but you also have to have that interest from people. And right now I just don't think there's that interest. I can wait say about all this. No, nothing that I haven't said already, but there's, I'll be honest, like there's a lot of dynamics that play into the attendance. It's, it, Everyone is right here. James, you're right about, you know, the students not showing up. Chris, you're right um, about just fans and alumni needing be needing to be supportive. But like, it's it, it's gonna take like a group effort. When it, of course the winning has to be there, but then even when we're not winning, there like it, I'll just just to ma- mention a couple of things. Like there's the with that with the, regards to students, you know, this is a, still a commuter school largely, mm-hmm. and like. Even for me, I live uh, on a, you know, without traffic, it'll take me like 30 minutes. And that's supposedly, supposedly not that far, right? So with traffic, you know, ends up being whatever, 40, 45 minutes. I think it's, that's another issue as well. And I don't know if you, you can't really fix that part, but 
you could maybe you can figure out a way to get more students to you know to to dorm on campus whether it you know it's providing more scholarships or financial aid or what have you that's that's one avenue um and then the alumni the alumni part you know that's definitely like myself included like we definitely have to be you know more supportive financially but then the attendance you know is it just comes down to people showing up and putting their you know their butts in the seats and i don't i don't know how you can just fix that over one winning even if we have an amazing season or a one winning season i don't think it gets fixed like that right away and, and well, andy, MH is- andy i know you saw i know you saw the seller comment <laughs> about interest comes with fun opponents that's not true okay it's, and it's, 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 it's not true. Put to the test. it's it's a crutch that houston alums have relied on for 30 years okay i'm 50 years old i heard it when i was going to uh back when UH did not have as many students on campus. It's gotten better on campus with student life, okay? But the crutch, you're proving my point about the opponent. You wanna see the opponent rather than see UH play. And I can prove the point by basketball, okay? Look at the games during non-conference play. Look at some of the reactions. We, we saw some of the reactions to the home schedule for the Cougs basketball team. Folks are like, Who's this? Why do I want to come see them play? Why aren't they playing Carolina, Duke, Texas, blah, 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 blah. Fans in Houston fans are conditioned to want to see the opponent rather than see Houston play. Houston basketball, Houston football. And those are the two main sports. We're not even talking about Houston baseball, women's basketball you know, the other sports. So the issues are, they're, in, they're ingrained in Houston alums. Houston alums have, had, have been kicked for so long, have been down for so long, we have a defeatist attitude, okay? I've lived it. I experience it. I see it all the time. It should not matter who the Cougs are playing. And we can talk about the poor marketing and, and Dana not being a great coach and, and I grant you all that. I've been critical of marketing for years. Support the Houston Cougar football team. Not if they're playing Baylor, if they're playing Texas, TCU, SMU. Okay. When is the game against SMU? When is that? When is that game? That game. Oh, it's at SMU this year. It's at SMU. James, you said, what was it? SMU came to town last year. What was it? Yeah, attendance? That- 25, 26,000, and that's an undefeated SEMU team and a Houston team. Yeah, undefeated, Uh like 17th in the country, and a Houston team that's won six or seven in a row. So a team from Texas, undefeated, 25,000 folks. So so, now now you're saying nobody cares about SMU. Inmates, the point is not enough folks care about Houston. That is the point. Houston was rolling last season. SMU was rolling last season. But, well, it was SMU. But the Cougs are rolling. What if enough fans want to come see the Cougs play? We can toss out this opponent stuff, and it'll get better in the Big 12. You know why it will get better in the Big 12? Because Because of opposing. (laughs) Because of Baylor fans. Because of TCU fans. Because of Tech Tech fans. That's why it'll get better. It's not because of us. We don't support us. We haven't done that for years. We don't support. And notice I'm saying we because I'm an alum. I've lived it. 
I see it all the time. We've been saying this stuff about the opponent. Here's a fact for you. When the Cougs were rolling in the David Klingler days, go back to the Dome days. Attendance in the Dome, 34,000. Tops. Tops. But you know when they got huge? For the Aggies. Nobody else but for the Aggies come to town. Folks, we have to support us because if we don't support us, who the hell else will? And that's a perfect note to leave it on because, well, Akib, oh. I don't know why you have the solo screen. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, uh, let me take you out and, and put myself as the solo screen because I'm going to take this time. Once again, shout out Five Star Properties. If you are in the Dallas area and you want to sell your home, for cash as is, be sure to check out our guys at Five Star Properties, uh, owned by Houston Cougars alum. And if, for whatever reason, maybe you just need money offsetting a home, maybe your home was damaged in a fire, flood damage. I know there were recent floodings in the Dallas area, so be sure to contact Five Star Properties at 972-532-7355 or check out their website at www.fivestarprops.com. I also want to shout out our secondary sponsor for this show, which was Hoop and Holler, Houston, the Houston Sports Micro Collective. It's again, the entity behind the commercials of the Star Pizza, or the entity behind the Star Pizza commercials, um, the SAC app commercial with DeAnthony Jones and the Big Hawk commercial. And once again, Five Star Properties as our primary sponsor. I'm going to take this time to plug our business card, our own show. It's mirrored, so it looks a little wonky. But I was out in the sun passing some of these out. If you guys did see and you're watching the show after this card, thank you and follow us on youtube the houston round bar review youtube channel follow our pods family jam account on youtube if you're gonna see me around um future future um future football home games and the men's basketball games as well handing these cards out so if you want to see me you see some random dude walking around with cards it'll probably be me but thank you for those of you that took the time to take the cards and be able to speak with me a little bit that was huge uh, success i actually had one person come out to me and they, they recognized me from the show because you're going to have to move a little bit. And they gave me a handshake. They introduced themselves. And I thought that was pretty cool. And it's a testament to what we're doing um, so far. A huge shout out to everyone that saw that made our show a week ago following not necessarily the best of circumstances off the loss against Kansas. But last time I checked, that was obviously our most viewed show by a lot. But last time I checked, it was 1,300 views just on your channel alone, Chris. That's not factoring in the Odyssey they're not the Odyssey, the, the Spotify, all the different audio version platforms. So we're building something is for the football game. We're going to do it after every single football um, game, whether it's on the road at home, and we're going to do it for every single men's basketball game when they tip off the season on November 7th. So we're always looking for sponsors at the back of the card. Again, you probably can't see because it's mirrored, but interested in advertising. Advertising. I'm going to take a quote from Brent Yarmark. We are open for business. And once again, I just want to shout out Five Star Properties for being the primary sponsor because like you see on the screen, they were the first really business. They took a chance on us. They believed in us. And I personally will forever be grateful to Jay and for what he's been able to do for Let's Rage Cougs. And obviously, of course, Hoop and Holler as well because they've been a, a regular sponsor on the show since the start of the football season. So those two entities will forever be, I mean, will always be indebted for them taking a chance on us. Um, I want to circle back to the game specifically and, and the big plays of the game. Again, like I mentioned when I first got on DeAnthony Jones, he had the two sacks. James, I don't think, I believe we don't get to get your input on it, but um, I'm curious to hear what you had to say about DeAnthony Jones. And we heard Nelson Caesar talk about him. He said that he always brings up the juice and he's one of the 
obviously he's a leader on the Houston locker room, but Caesar said that he's always looking out for the guys and he's a, he's really become a staple of that Houston locker room. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you can look at last year, he's, he's, I guess you call him, people call him, you know, the king of sack ab because he led the team in sacks last year, despite, you know, look at his, look at his actual playing time and it was significantly less than many, anyone else um, on that D line that was up there in sacks. So, he he has the he he's a great pass rusher, um, and he has an, the ability to, as Doug Belk says, you know, change the game with just one play. And we saw that tonight twice in a row with those two sacks. Um, for him, it's just more about consistency and stuff. But yeah, um, he he showed up, and while Nelson Caesar will get the credit for you know the touchdown, the scoop and score that ended up being the game winner, uh, it was DeAnthony Jones that made that play happen, um, and. In the play before that, I think even gets overlooked even more because who knows what happens if they're not in that third and long with the sack before that by DeAnthony yeah. Jones. So, um, yeah, he came up he came up huge. Um, and I know uh, we we've talked about you know sack ab being you know coming off a season where they're one of the top in the nation in sacks. They didn't get a sack today until the fourth quarter. Uh, Jamarcus Cheeks, yeah, the linebacker, got it. That was seven straight quarters without a sack. They didn't get one against Kansas. Um, they had one, Derek Parrish went off against Tech and had one in the fourth quarter, but that was the last one before that. But once Tremarcus Cheeks got that first one, then that, that, that's that opened the flood something gate. clicked. Yeah. Yeah. DeAnthony Jones, then you got a few plays later, back-to-back sacks. No, absolutely. And that, that good quote I wanted to, to mention here, Derek Parrish, um, was it? I can't remember exactly when it was. If it was before halftime, I think it was in the second. It quarter was late, he, late second quarter. Yeah, yeah. Last when, few seconds of second quarter. Yep. When he got an injury, there was no update that Dana Hogerson was asked about it. He didn't mention any specifics, and we're not entirely sure what it was. It looked like he might have been bothered um, by something in his hand because he was able to walk off on his own power. It didn't seem like anything uh, with his lower body was bothering him, and obviously we know that he's been playing with a cast the entire season after he suffered a broken uh, ring finger to his right hand just two days before the UTSA game. So he's been playing with a cast. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. And uh, on the topic of injury report, Brandon Campbell, the running back for Houston, who, who coming into the game, he was leading the Cougars in rushing. Uh, I think Tejon Henry might have overpassed him with his, back, with his performance today. But mm-hmm. he was entering. He led the team in rushing. He did not play. Um, with an injury, he and a Houston University Houston spokesperson said that he had not practiced the entire week leading up to it. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Hopefully Campbell can um, recover from that injury sooner rather than later and he can get back on the field because he's going to be a key contributor for this Houston offense. James, Akaba, I know you're, you're running out of time with, with your battery, so I'll try, we'll try to put a bow in it. One other player that I wanted to touch on, Chris, I'm not sure if you're day on, uh, touched on it ahead of time, but Matthew Golden, he was he is something that we've been talking about the receivers just, just in terms of not, you know, obviously we know what Tank Dell brings to the table. He's been solid um, for all four games of the, of the season. For Houston, he's been a consistent player uh, on the receiving side of things. But today, Matt Golden stepped up and he had a couple of, he had the first touchdown of the game off the screen. Um, I think it was a 19-yard touchdown where he was able to, to make a play out of it. And just overall, he was more reliable. He was a reliable target for Clayton Toon. Had four catches for 49 yards, and obviously that touchdown that I mentioned. Um, James, Akiba, I'll go to you first, and hopefully your your phone battery doesn't die in the middle of your segment. Uh, but what were your thoughts of Golden just in his performance and stepping up uh, for Houston's offense? No, that was good for the team and good for him that he was able to get that first 
touchdown. Um, and I think he, he, it was more of like a catch, not a catch and run, but he had to, the, you know, 10 yards or so he had to make yeah, it into the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a good sign. And it's just, if we can just keep continue to get other, you know, receivers involved, then we'll be all right. It's just, I just keep going back to the play calling. And then of course, if Clayton tune really Clayton tune had a, you could say one bad game, you know, against Kansas. Other than that, I thought the three games out of the four, like even against Tech, against UTSA, and then today against Rice, I thought he was decent. Like I know Dayon, he's got his, you know, issues against Clayton Tune, and like he's, he's tough on him. Yeah, he's tough. <laughs> he's tough on him, uh, and rightfully so too, because Clayton Tune is like a very mature you know quarterback and he has so many years under his belt he's already breaking not breaking records but he's getting into some of these record books with you know the you know the the touchdowns in the american conference and you know some of the other stats yeah 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 just to mention that point today clayton toon surpassed heisman winning quarterback andre ware in houston cougars history for most touchdowns accounted for most touchdowns responsible for it's the the phrase that they had it, and I think the number to beat it was eighty two. So he's now fifth all time, uh, fifth all time in in Houston Cougars history for most touchdowns responsible for in the program, and he's chasing Greg Ward and for fourth, I believe the number is ninety three total touchdowns. So that's something the tune will probably break within the next two three games. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, but James, I'm gonna toss it over to you just overall thoughts on on Matt Golden and maybe anything else on the offense in particular, especially the offensive line. I know you asked a a question about the O-line. I believe it was you just in terms of they had rough moments. Again, there was a couple of holding penalties, a couple of really bad ones um, on a couple of plays that set them back. But running game seems to be better. It seems to be more consistent, which is more important for Houston. Uh, But just overall assessments on Golden and the offensive line. Yeah, I thought with Golden, so, you know, through the first three games, he's had some big moments and then he's had some, you know, bad drops. Tonight, I think even the touchdown aside, the biggest takeaway is just getting him more involved consistently in the offense. I think that's going to go a long way rather than just, you know, having a couple of targets um, coming up with a play here and there against in the first three games. You know, he he, Clayton Toon looked his way a a good amount of times. um, And I think these game, games like these will just continue to serve as confidence boosters. Obviously on his touchdown, um, he showed you what he can do with space, you know, the little, a little tunnel screen and he, he took it basically the whole way. He caught it at the line of scrimmage, took it the whole way. So he's show, you're seeing those flashes and the more that, um, you know, the more comfortable he gets, um, the more he's going to start breaking off um, or breaking out into game or having big games and, you know, him and Tank by the end of the season, who knows, could become a pretty dangerous duo. And, Chris, I'm going to toss it over to you. Just overall, um, I mean, honestly, you have an open floor. What was something that caught your eye, whether it was offensively, defensively, in Houston's 34-27 win against Rice as we wrap things up? The D-line finally made play. Sack Av came through in the fourth quarter, finally. Yeah. Matthew Golden is getting more comfortable in the offense. Uh, the rushing game was better. But, and this sounds negative and critical, it was Rice. How good is Rice going to be the rest of, rest of the year? 
Let's see U.S. do this against Tulane. Now that conference play is about to begin. Be consistent. Let's see if Clay, Clayton Toon can pass for 250 and more in conference play. Let's see if Tank Dale gets 100-plus yards per game in conference play. Let's see if Henry gets 100-plus rushing yards per game in conference play. You know, the running, running game. Consistently. They got to do that. It's the, the, the main goal now is conference championship. That's what's mm-hmm. left for them to accomplish. Starts on Friday. For sure. And Tulane, a team that's given Houston problems the last couple of seasons. Um, I, I believe Houston and Tulane opened the 2020 season a couple of years ago, and Tulane jumped out to a 24-0 lead against Houston. The Cougars were able to claw their way back and, and win that game. And then last season up in, in, in Louisiana, that was another tough battle. I think Houston had kind of been roles had been reversed, but Houston jumped out to an early lead, and Tulane rallied back, and the Cougars were able to answer and ended up winning by a comfortable margin. So that's going to be a tough battle. Um, Willie Fritz has done a good job, just especially when it comes defensively, what Tulane does. and Their quarterback was dynamic, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on for Houston. might be something that gives them more problems after what we saw Donovan Smith and Jalen Jalen uh, Daniels do for Kansas. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. We're going to go around the – Andy, team. could I ask – could I add one thing? I don't know, like, if people are paying attention right now, but uh, just on the challenges of Tulane, Tulane – came off, you know, a big win against Kansas State last week. Kansas State's about to beat number six Oklahoma. They're up 14 yeah. with a minute left. So, I mean. That's going to be a that, tough challenge. That just shows you how, I mean, not it's not an overlook when you hear Tulane. Like you said, yep. you kind of think, but the past two years have been good games, and this is a legit Tulane team. And they might, honestly, with what they put together, they sh- Ooh, they're going to be up there. They should be. I know Cincinnati's going to have something to say with it, but I honestly, I might put Tulane as a top team heading into conference play in the American Athletic Conference. So this is not going to be an easy game for Houston, but we'll go around the table. I'll toss it over to you first. Um, where can people find you, sir? And how, first of all, how was your first experience being, you know, covering Houston at the stadium and attending the post-game conferences and all that? Well, Andy, it wasn't my first rodeo covering a, you know, sports event, but it was my first rodeo covering uh, the Cougars. So this is pretty cool. It was dope. And, you know, I can't wait to cover more games and also into basketball season. I know we kept getting a couple of tweets at our um, PSJ account saying, you know, when is basketball season or this is a basketball school. So hopefully we can turn things around and prove them wrong. And you can find me. You know, like it says on the display at Akib Ghazi MMA on Twitter and Instagram. Akib, I'll put you on the spot. Dana White or Dana Holgerson? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's a tough one. But I think uh, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to decide between both Danas. Akib, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're a pro at this set. I like the political answer right there. James, I'm going to toss it over to you. Where can people find you and uh, where can people find your work? Yeah, thanks again for having me. You can find me on Twitter at JDM2186. And then all my work regarding all UH athletics coverage is at thedailycougar.com. And Chris, I'll toss it over to you. Thank you again for allowing us to use your platform on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel and the StreamYard platform as well. Where can people find you, sir? Twitter, VHR Review, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. Big shout out to Andy for making this growing this Less Rage Cougs platform, the unofficial post-game show for Houston football, Houston Cougars football, and Houston Cougars men's basketball. Very proud of you to uh, see what you're doing. Look forward to hoop season and basketball 
fans, Cougs, hoop fans, the Cougs' first practice officially of the season is Tuesday. So get ready. Chris, can, can I say one thing? Go ahead. We, we, yeah. we can start calling it the number one unofficial show. Okay. That, great. Right that works for me. You know what? That is yeah. really good. I had never thought about that. Number one unofficial postgame show of UH Athletics. Uh, once again, the final score here from TDECU Stadium. Houston defeats Rice 34-27. They stopped their two-game losing streak um, after dropping back-to-back games to Texas Tech and Kansas. Interesting note about the Houston and Rice can we call it a rivalry? They call it a rivalry leading up to it, the Bayou Bucket. I know a lot of people are not going to call it a rivalry, but Houston and Rice matchups. Houston has now won seven straight games against Rice. It is a new record between the two programs that it's the most games won by a single opponent consecutively during the history of the Houston and Rice games. That seven games winning streak goes back to 2011, the last time Rice won was during the 2010 season. So the Bayou Bucket stays in Houston. It's something that Dana Hogerson said. Um, they're really proud that they were able to keep the Bayou Bucket at TDCU Stadium, so they're going to do so for one more year. They will meet again in 2023. So for you Houston Rice rivalry enthusiasts, it will be back. And, Chris, I see you shaking your head. Got anything to say before we wrap it up? Business-wise, I just don't understand why the continuation of this series. Rice does not support its football team at its stadium. They don't travel the four and a half miles to, you know, I don't see the financial incentive for the Cougs to continue this this matchup. That's just me. On the Houston side of things, they actually both sides. They had that luncheon on Wednesday, I believe. My days always run. But anyways, it sounds like they want to – there's mutual interest on both sides to keep the matchup beyond 2023. So even though Houston is joining the Big 12 and Rice is heading to the American Athletic Conference, there might be more Houston-Rice matchups this day. So – the very least we will see next year will be back for the Bayou Bucket. They'll have that luncheon, so we shall see where these two programs are, are a year from now. But that's going to do it for this episode of Let's Rage Cougs, the longest episode of Let's Rage Cougs we've done for a while. And once again, thank you to Chris for your platform. Thank you, Rocket, for helping me alongside. He did some really great stuff on our Let's Rage Cougs Instagram account and on the Pod Slime Jamma Twitter account. So special thanks to you, and thanks, James, for always being able to hop on um, and being able to provide your input from the perspective of obviously you're busy covering for the daily cougar so thank you for making time hop hopping us on this show hopping with us on this show as you see on the screen be sure to follow us on instagram tiktok let's reach cougs follow us on twitter at pod slime follow chris on the houston round bar review thank you for everyone that commented thank you five star properties for sponsoring the show thank you hoop and holler we'll see you friday night it is 6 p.m. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. kickoff. So, oh, I'm interested to see that crowd <laughs> on a Friday. No, you're on not. A Friday <laughs> evening. It might be brutal. It might, it might be a late approaching crowd. But once again, Houston, Tulane, Friday, September 30th. We will be live after the show. So stay with us. And thank you for those of you that have helped and make Lethridge Coops a success through four games into the season. We'll welcome a new sponsor starting Tulane. But thanks, Five Star Properties. And Hoop and holler. Till next time. Take care.